1: bringing the light of Christ to start your day.
0: This is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio.
3: Five minutes after the hour, it's Tuesday, November 30th. Good morning and welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us across America. Great to be with you once again. On Tuesdays, uh, we always remember to pray to our guardian angels, asking them for help in our everyday lives. Today is also the feast of St. Andrew the Apostle and Martyr. He was a fisherman from Bethsaida, a disciple of St. John the Baptist before he became a follower of our Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, to whom he also bought his brother, St. Peter. According to tradition, St. Andrew preached in Greece and was martyred by the Romans on an X-shaped cross. According to Eastern Orthodox tradition, the apostolic successor to St. Andrew is the patriarch of Constantinople. And so we pray today and ask for St. Andrew's intercession. I want to bring in my partner, Glenn Leverance. Glenn, uh, the uh, Omicron variant continues to be in the news this morning.
0: That's right. As we think of uh, Christmas gift giving, it is the the gift that keeps on giving. My goodness, uh, the world keeping eyes on Omicron It looks to be very contagious, but how dangerous, we don't know yet. might be a couple weeks till we figure that out. In the meantime, President Biden spoke to the nation about that yesterday. 17 countries have reported uh, that new COVID variants, travel restrictions in effect from the U.S., Uh, or from seven or eight now uh, southern African countries to the U.S., other countries around the globe shutting down the borders, including uh, Israel, to all foreigners as well. And so uh, people taking this very seriously, but uh, still remains to be seen how dangerous it is. But we uh, do believe it, it spreads more quickly, so the president, of course, urging those vaccines and boosters.
3: There's so much that we don't know, but the one thing we do know is that there's no reason to overreact until we have the actual facts, until the scientists can provide us with more information.
0: That's right. So we'll uh, keep an eye on that and uh, keep folks updated. In the meantime, right, we divert ourselves with sports and uh, the college football season the uh, regular season winded down last weekend and things just getting wound up for postseason tournament play and, and bowl games and the like but that doesn't mean there aren't time for changes in the
3: coaching ranks John absolutely I'm I'm shocked uh, this morning to hear the news that Notre Dame head football coach Brian Kelly is leaving the Fighting Irish uh, for LSU uh, he's uh, accepted reportedly a 10-year hundred million dollar uh, contract uh, which uh, it's it's Really uh, hard for Fighting Irish fans to understand. He's the, the winningest coach in Notre Dame history, 92 wins, 11 losses in 11 seasons with the Fighting Irish. So uh, he's had a great run. He they've won uh, 10 straight ga- game, 10 uh, games for five straight seasons, the last five years. So uh, um, it's it's been a great accomplishment for for Notre Dame.
0: It certainly has, and uh, you know they'll get some pretty good candidates. Another quick coaching note, Wolverines football coach Jim Harbaugh, of course, Michigan beat Ohio State. They won the Big Ten East. He got a $500,000 bonus for doing that, giving it back to his staff that had to have cuts during COVID.
3: Good for Jim Harbaugh. Uh, Great to hear that. And he deserves it after so many struggles of not being able to beat Ohio State to finally pull it out this past week. And I was happy uh, for Jim Harbaugh. Well, we'll uh, continue to keep an eye on uh, the college football season here in the upcoming weeks. And uh, I'm sure many Irish fans are are sorry to hear the news of uh, Brian Kelly uh, leaving Notre Dame.
0: Well, uh, there you we go. I mean, as Minnesota Gopher fan, we did our best. We donated Lou Holtz to you years ago, and uh, so here's to another good coach for the future for Notre Dame, John.
3: Great reminder. Thanks so much, uh, Glenn. Uh, now, something big is about to happen. Starting tomorrow, December 1st, the U.S. Supreme Court will be hearing the Dobbs case, a case whose outcome could make abortion illegal in the United States and save countless lives, possibly uh, tens of millions of lives. Uh, prayer changes history. We We've seen it before and we'd like to see it again. Please pray uh, with us for our Blessed Mother's intercession, that the justices be wise, courageous, and make the right decision. The more people uh, pray together, the stronger the prayers. These are truly historic times, so let's make history together. Join Father Rocky tonight at 7 p.m. Central for the Family Rosary across America here on Relevant Radio as we continue uh, to pray uh, for this very very important intention for life. We begin every show, every hour, giving thanks to our Lord through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of life and of Relevant Radio, pray for us. St. Joseph in this year of St. Joseph, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. We always invoke the Holy Spirit when we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our power scripture, as we do every morning from the playbook of life, is from Isaiah 2.5. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. The Northern Hemisphere, the days are growing ever darker as we approach the shortest and darkest day of the year, the winter solstice on December 21st. From a spiritual perspective, we have the light of the Lord. We prepare uh, during this time of Advent for the coming at Christmas of the Christ child. Jesus is truly the light of the world, and if we believe in Christ, we will not walk in darkness. And we always pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you you. Our number, if you want to be part of the show, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. And now let's talk about love.
0: When I say goodbye, it is never for long, cause I know. Again exactly like it was Cause I believe in the power.
3: Today in our weekly Remember You Are Love series, we will discuss love evangelization. Come and see, go and tell. We're now joined by international bilingual evangelist Martha Fernandez-Sardina to continue our weekly series, Remember You Are Love. Martha is also a teacher, trainer, writer, consultant, outreach developer, and the former director for evangelization for the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. and San Antonio. She's also the founder of Remember You you are love.com and the host of remember you are love tv series good morning martha happy advent thanks so much for being with us this morning great to be with you
1: good morning thank you and thank you and happy feast of saint andrew
3: Absolutely. Happy Feast of Saint Andrew. Uh, saint Andrew, very special saint uh, in our Catholic tradition and also in the Orthodox tradition. He's really a, a, quite a ecumenical saint for us uh, to honor today. What does uh, the Feast of Saint Andrew the Apostle tell us about love?
1: It tells us a lot about love. It reveals to us, it unveils for us, it discovers and uncovers for us and it shows us that beautiful call that the lord has placed on each of us a call to love and how we in turn we who are recipients of love must become love messengers how we go out to others to bring love and we see that most beautifully uh detailed all these uh this revelation this uncovering this discovering this uh uh, being showered in love and then showering others with love bringing people through a love that is evangelistic, what I call evangelization, bringing others to Christ. We see that most beautifully expressed in the first chapter of the Gospel of St. John, which actually has three parts to it, if you will, in which we see the call of Andrew, who then in turn runs and calls his brother Peter to the Lord, brings him to the Lord
3: absolutely and uh, if you are excited about something that you want to share you, you want to share that with your with your loved ones which is exactly uh, with what st. Andrew did he shared it with his, his, his brother Peter who wasn't even known as Peter at that point he was Simon
1: that's correct and, and in that gospel of John to contextualize what I was saying about this revelation and this uncovering and discovering and sharing of love we see in that gospel of st. John that at the beginning Uh, St. John the Apostle, uh, the beloved disciple, he begins talking about that eternal Word, the eternal Logos. The Word was with God, and and the Word was God, he said. He was in the beginning, and all things were made through him, and read through the whole chapter, and he's presenting the Logos, but it is that love of God that then brings the Logos, to us, which now during this Advent season and during the Christmas season, we will be celebrating that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, love became incarnate. Jesus became one of us full of grace and truth. He goes on to say, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only son from the father. And so we have received that love and then St. John, the apostle goes on to. Speak about the testimony of John the Baptist, who having been called to be, from his mother's womb, the precursor of the Lord, the herald of good news, the messenger, who the voice cries in, in in the wilderness, in the darkness, prepare the way of the Lord, a very important figure during the Advent season as well, makes straight the way of the Lord, quoting Isaiah. He, John, witnesses to Jesus and calls, he points out that he is the Lamb of God, again in John 1, verses 29 and following, and he says, behold, look, there, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And as he gives witness, he his disciples, then he witnesses to his disciples that this is the Messiah, the expected one, the one we've been longing for, the one we've been waiting for, love incarnate, behold him. And then two of his disciples, john and andrew begin to follow jesus and it's very beautiful and that's a a passage that we can each take to heart and take to prayer to see who it is that we're seeking and who it is that we're following so when they asked him rabbi which means teacher where are you staying jesus said to them come and see and so they went and spent the day with him and that begins a process of by which they are evangelized by Jesus, they encounter the living God, the living love incarnate God, Jesus Christ. And then what does Andrew do in turn? He immediately, it says that the first thing he did was to seek out his brother, Simon Peter. He found his brother Simon, it says in John, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus who looked at him with love and called him and gave him a new name. He said, you shall be called Kephas, which means Peter, rock. So it's a beautiful passage, John, of how we are called to evangelize, to love others with an evangelization, with a gospel presentation, and how we are to called to present the gospel with love and how we're called to come and see and go and tell. Come and see, go and tell, come and see, go and tell.
3: And we too can follow that same exam- example and, and come and see, go and tell. Uh, there are many opportunities uh, throughout the, our, our lives, throughout the, on any given day that we'll run into somebody that we can share our faith with, that we can share our love uh, for our Lord J- Jesus Christ, uh, for our Catholic faith, uh, and, and, and have uh, that same enthusiasm that we see here in, in the story of uh, St. Andrew the Apostle.
1: Absolutely. And it is the love of God that compels us, as St. Paul would say in one of his letters, which, by the way, was a a beautiful phrase in the um, beautiful uh, exhortation that Pope Benedict extended to us a few years back uh, for a year of faith which unfortunately kind of was forgotten in a sense because then he resigned and uh, then a new papacy began and so forth. But you'll remember that year of faith, he said, the love of God compels us, compels us as St. Paul says, to evangelize, to reach out to others. And that can only be done really well. It can be done otherwise, but it can only be done really well, John, when our hearts are full of love for the person that we're encountering. It is love that moves us to want to make the logos known, that wants to make the Lord of love known. It's love that compels us to want to invite others to receive that grace upon grace, that glory that the Lord has for us. It is love that moves us to want to enter into the mystery of the other, which is before us and to invite the other who is before us, whoever they may be, a family member, a friend, a stranger even, to invite them into the mystery of THE OTHER, with capital letters, you know, the other which is God, the Almighty who is completely other, and at the same time made himself a little babe so that we might approach him and find in Jesus, even in the manger, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who even angels sing glory and shepherds can recognize as King and Lord. That's our call, as you said, to go out everywhere and anywhere and share the good news of other people, in a variety of ways, of course.
3: I mean, if you think about it, uh, you go see uh, a a football game that you're all excited about and you want to (laughs) tell your friends about it. You go see a movie in a movie theater uh, that you really like and you share that with your friends. Well, we need to be excited, uh, enthusiastic about our Catholic faith and and be willing uh, to share our faith. How can we uh, better uh, share our faith here in this Advent season, this new liturgical year, um, that we are uh, trying uh, to uh, answer this call of come and see.
1: You know, sometimes we forget to invite people to church. Sometimes we forget to invite people to our services, sometimes we forget to invite uh, family members, friends, acquaintances, co-workers, um, a number of people that we interact with, even online, you know, friends that we have online, some of which are real life friends, real people that you know and other people you've, you know, just kind of gotten to know uh, online or just people that you exchange with uh, on any social media platform or through work or whatever it may be. We forget sometimes to extend that invitation to mass, to the Advent penance uh, service, uh, to a good confession, right, Uh, to, to a pageant, to a Christmas play, to something that's meaningful, to a reading, to a reflection. The other day I was sharing with someone who I hadn't seen for quite a while, many years, and we bumped into each other and uh, she was sharing she's new in the area and she's saying oh i found out about adoration here at this time and i found out about this uh, uh secular franciscan prayer group at this time and i found out about this other um uh, praise and worship group and i found out about this and then i said oh yeah and don't forget about the mass at this time on the first friday and then this so we were sharing with each other and we're two practicing catholics but there are opportunities like uh the sunday before last when i met a family that was visiting the area and uh, they're practicing Catholics, but I also extended a number of invitations and and they were sharing, the one uh, young man, he was saying, and I listened to this podcast and the Bible in the Year, and then I listened to this other speaker and we were exchanging, oh, who who touches you the most? I like this homily. So come and see, that's what it is. We have to invite people and some of them we need to actually pick up and bring to Jesus like Andrew did with Peter. So during this Advent season, Come and see yourself. Come and deepen your encounter with Jesus. Come to adoration. Come to Mass more frequently. Come to to the Lord through the Rosary. Come to the Lord through sacred scripture, through the Liturgy of the Hours, but also bring. So come and see, and then go and tell, so that you might bring other people to do the same, to encounter the living love of God in Jesus Christ.
3: Martha, I know that you're very active in social media. How can we use social media to invite uh, friends and and even strangers uh, to share our Catholic faith?
1: Well, that's part of the go and tell, and there are lots of ways of doing it. And sometimes some of us who use social media will concentrate more on one topic than another. But it's always good to be mindful of the fact that there are people there who need a lot of uh, truth from the delicate, tender, loving touch of the the love of god that we can share through scripture through testimony through stories through our own encounter through the reminders on the saints days i always post things uh when it's a saint day already this morning i wishing people uh, a happy feast day even on sundays wishing people a happy lord's day and inviting them reminding them to go to mass and then we also have to be cognizant of the fact that just as John the Baptist so beautifully said, behold the Lamb of God, he's the same John the Baptist that spoke truth even to power. And so even when you have to cross someone, even when you have to speak truth and you know it's going to upset them, that too is a way of inviting people to come and see the fullness of the truth and to go and, and that's part of the going and telling other people that the gospel has demands. The gospel truly has legitimate, authentic, genuine mandates that we can and must obey. So that too is part of our evangelization, inviting people to come and see the beautiful, sweet, tender, love and mercy of the Lord, and also to see the high calling, the demands of the gospel that actually set us free. And that's the beautiful thing, John. The gospel, even with the hard parts, sets us free, gives us light, gives us life gives us the love that our hearts truly long for.
3: Absolutely, come and see, go and tell. Martha, where can people find you?
1: They can find me at MarthaFernandezSardina.com. They can also listen to some little love minutes that I have at rememberyouareloved.podbean.com. And they can also find me at rememberyouareloved.com. I'm available to uh, speak also at parishes and conferences. So. Uh, not maybe for Advent, people already have their things lined up, but Lent is around the corner. So Martha, fernandez Sardina, remember you are loved. and John, remember you are loved.
3: And so are you. Thanks so much, uh, Martha. Martha Fernandez-Sardina, the founder of RememberYouAreLove.com. We need to take a, a short break uh, when Morning Air continues. Timory Jaja, the host of Trending with Timaria, here on Relevant Radio, will explain the reasons why women agree they shouldn't be on birth control. Stay with us. There's much more to come here on Morning Air after this. The Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com Forester.
0: Get connected to the conversation.
1: Call us now at 888-914-9149. That's
0: 888-914-9149. You're listening to Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio
1: and the Relevant Radio app.
3: 32 minutes after the hour, welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Gun Leverance. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Our number, if you want to be part of the show, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Now, in 1968, Pope Paul VI issued his landmark encyclical letter, Humanae Vitae, which reemphasized the Catholic Church's constant teaching that it's always intrinsically wrong to use contraception to prevent new human beings from coming into existence. Earlier this month, we saw a trend on Twitter of people thanking birth control. Thanking them for what is the question? Why was the... Thanks, birth control hashtag trending on Twitter. Joining us now here on Morning Air uh, to talk about it is our very own Timory Jaja, uh, who will enlighten us on why women shouldn't be on birth control to begin with. Timory is the host of Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio that you hear uh, weekdays at 6 p.m. Central. Timory is also a Catholic speaker, educating in areas of theology, and is an expert at responding to current trends of sexuality. Feminism and Gender Ideology. Good morning, Timmery. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be with you once again. Happy Advent.
4: Good morning, John. Happy Advent. It's great to be here.
3: Well, Timory, uh, f- first of all, t- you who are so plugged into the culture and uh, everything that's going on in social media, why was birth control trending recently? Uh, what were people saying on their posts?
4: Well, this particular hashtag, thanks birth control, became a thing back in 2016. And for some, it was marking another year of having access to birth control. But for many, it was marking this transition in an administration going in from President Obama into President Trump. And many people were concerned about losing their birth control. And so it really became all about access. We hear a lot about access and so-called reproductive rights. And so people were taking to social media to give their reasons as to why they were thankful for birth control. And you have everything from people saying, this is what allowed me to get an education, to this is what allowed me to start a family on my own terms. You know, these are the two predominant things that people say um, when they try to indoctrinate, especially young teenage girls today, uh, starting as young as 12 and 13, that you need birth control. But if you actually looked at many of the responses on social media. I mean, it all the way went down to people equating, I remember there was one of them that said, thanks birth control because you allowed me to be a cat mom or a dog mom or a plant mom because I couldn't take care of a child. And I found this fascinating, John, because it was speaking a profound truth. It wasn't just a joke, and for some it was, into the fact that people have equated you know, human life with, you know, oh, well, I've got my plant because my plant makes me feel good. It makes me feel happy. And a baby doesn't necessarily always make you feel happy, but it makes you a better person. And I think that that's what's interesting is people were equating animals and plants with babies, instead missing the fact that they have different types of souls. And one may make you feel good, but the other will make you be a better person.
3: And it makes me uh, think of, uh, Timurie, the, the reality that here in our country, um, we're not uh, replacing babies. We're not at, at the replacement rate that we need to be, which is a little over, uh, two, um, per family. It, it just, uh, it's, it's something that's somewhat, somewhat concerning that people actually uh, feel that uh, it's better to have a, a pet or a plant.
4: You know, and what you're saying is so important for people to recognize. Here in the United States, last I saw the numbers, we were at about a 1.7 replacement level, far below that 2.1 of necessity just to replace ourselves. Europe for years has been far below replacement level, but we have dipped the lowest in history here in the United States since we've been you know, tracking things such as these, and it's actually a big deal. And, you know, I think that it's fascinating as we talk about so much surrounding the birth control movement and the so-called reproductive rights that the reality is at the end of the day, on one side, there's this massive push for birth control, but on the other side, there's also this push where a lot of women recognize, I don't feel very good when I'm on birth control or they're recognizing it's actually causing some problems. Although it's not popular to say, more women actually agree with this and are willing to say right now publicly.
3: What about uh, pro-life organizations? Because there's definitely a connection between birth control uh, and so-called reproductive rights. What are are the pro-life organizations? How are they responding uh, to this recent trend?
4: Yeah, you know, I think that it's interesting to see the pro-life movement. There always is that awkward moment where most people who are pro-life and involved in the movement recognize that birth control is not what solves the abortion number issue. In fact, many people miss the fact that a birth control itself functions as an abortifacient. And if you never heard this before, and I just want to encourage you, you know, just listen for a second here because a lot of people try to say, oh, there are those pro-lifers again trying to say that birth control causes an abortion. Well, it actually, that's part of its purpose. Birth control has two functions. One is to prevent sperm and egg from ever meeting, therefore never creating a new human life. The second function is that if a new life begins, the goal is to have a hostile hormonal makeup and mucus makeup within the body of the woman that prevents the baby from traveling down the fallopian tube and implanting in the uterus. So what happens is thick cervical mucus, thick mucuses in those fallopian tubes can cause the baby to die early. The hormones are unbalanced perhaps with the estrogen and progesterone, the natural estrogen and progesterone levels being off. And so therefore it can cause an early abortion one of the earliest abortions in the earliest stage of human life so yes that is an abortion a new distinct human life has begun everything that's necessary to new—no hair eye color so many of the characteristics skin tones all of these different things are present boom at the moment of conception yet these lives are actually dying from birth control as well so again birth control has two functions so when people say well birth control helps reduce abortion numbers Well, it may help reduce surgical or chemical later abortions, but it's not reducing abortion numbers from the perspective that it can function as abortion. But John, the other thing is that people don't recognize, and I saw this time and time again in the crisis pregnancy centers, many people who are on birth control It doesn't always work perfectly. And I saw this firsthand working for five years in the crisis pregnancy centers and sidewalk counseling for years in front of the abortion clinic. Women would be not just on one form of birth control, often two types of birth control two types of contraception and they would still get pregnant they didn't use it accurately it's not always completely effective and they'd sit there insisting that they couldn't possibly be pregnant because they thought they engaged in smart sex supposedly whereas in reality they actually did get pregnant and there was still consequence so what we saw is actually the number of unplanned pregnancies in some ways has increased in certain ways because of how the context of birth control has allowed for infidelity in marriage so-called sex without without any strings attached it's led to a different culture and this is why abortion became the fail-safe of birth control
3: Timory, do you think that there is a lack of understanding and of uh, education when it comes to the Catholic Church's teaching on birth control? So many people just don't really understand or know what exactly the Catholic Church is teaching and has taught, traditionally taught over the centuries.
4: Oh, absolutely. And unfortunately, there's been a lot of confusion even within our church. As you mentioned before, um, when Humana Vitae came out back in the end of the 1960s by St. Pope Paul VI talking about married love, the responsibility of parenthood, and where birth control fit into that context. By the way, if you're married, if you're engaged, even if you're dating, discerning marriage, I hi- and you don't have to be discerning or dating, I highly recommend that you Read Humana Vitae. It's a short read and it will set you up for a very clear perspective and trajectory on the future of being a parent, on understanding where birth control fits in. Here's the reality. Unfortunately, what happened there was a secularization even within our church when it came to sexuality. And when that was released, you know, going into the 70s, even a lot of people of faith rejected the teaching of the church. And so for many, they've never known or understood what the problem with birth control was. They just thought that it was planning a family on your own. But the reality is the church emphasizes, no, birth control not only can do physical damage to the body, and we can talk about that later if you'd like, but it also is damaging the interpersonal relationship between the two people. And St. Pope Paul VI was very prophetic in recognizing that this could be used not only as a means of population control, which we've actually seen um, being implemented around the world, but it could be used as a means to harm and hurt women with this type of an agenda to objectify women. And uh, we're seeing not only women who have been objectified, by the birth control movement john but we've also seen many women who have long-term health consequences and one of them includes infertility women think they can just get off birth control when they want and have children when they want but that's not how it works.
3: And Timory, I think from a historical perspective, I think it's important to understand, uh, that the Catholic church has been constant in its teaching on birth control. In fact, it wasn't until 1930 that the Anglican church, which was the first Protestant right. church, uh, to uh, finally change their position on, uh, on birth control uh, at the Lambeth conference back in 1930, they're the ones who opened the door for all the other Protestant denominations. But, uh, So in 1968, the Catholic Church was the only one that was still standing that still stood by the uh, centuries-old, millennia-old teaching on birth control.
4: And I think that a really neat response to that is when that happened at the Lambeth Conference by the Anglican Church. One of the responses was Pope Pius XI at the time wrote a beautiful encyclical called Cassie Canubi. 10 out of 10 recommend, especially if you're married, and it talked about re-solidifying, helping us to understand the roles of mother and father, husband and wife at a time where birth control called into question what marriage looked like, what intimacy looked like, what fatherhood and motherhood looked like, but also what it meant to relate to one another as a male and female. And Cassie Canubi, at that time, the church spoke and helped to clarify that before we saw this crisis of gender today.
3: Well, Timmery, I have a lot of questions for you. I'm sure our audience has some questions. I'd like to invite our listeners, if you have a question, if you have a comment. Personal experience of dealing with birth control for Timmery, give us a call, triple 888 914 9149. That's 888 914 9149. We're going to take a short break as we continue our conversation with Timory jaja the host of Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Stay with us. We'll be back with much more after this timeout. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, Visit RelevantRadio.com Forrester. Bringing
0: the light of Christ to start your day with the issues that matter most. This
3: is Morning Air with John Morales on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 46 minutes after the hour. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales. Thanks for being with us this morning as we continue our conversation with Timmery Zhaja, the host of Trending with Timory, And we're talking about some of the reasons why women agree they shouldn't be on birth control. Uh, Timory, welcome back great to be here. Uh, Timory, let's talk about some of these reasons why many women are agreeing that they should not be on birth control. And again, I want to remind our listeners, if you want to chime in, be part of the conversation, 888-914-9149. Well, the
4: number one thing that across the board women are seeing is that they are having physical health consequences as a result of being on birth control. Um, you know, one, I think that I always laugh about because women and their husbands or boyfriends across the board agree that birth control makes you moody. And part of the reason why is already as women, we're a different hormonal makeup every single day of the month. And birth control treats your body as if it's in a state of pseudopregnancy. It causes the body to be in that state. And so it leads to hormonal imbalances that aren't meant to be occurring at that time. And it can cause moodiness is one of them on like a simple level. But we ignore how significant that moodiness can impact an interpersonal dimension. I think about this, you know, some of my friends in college were on birth control for so-called health reasons. And I worked with them to try and find other solutions such as napro technology that gets to the underlying health problem rather than just turning to the band-aid of birth control. And what they saw is their moods changed. They were actually treating things that were going on rather than putting their body in a state of pseudo-fake pregnancy. Um, Another big thing is a lot of women, when they realize this, they're shocked. And more people know this and they'd like to admit, the cancer risk of birth control. And I'm not just talking about breast cancer. Um, synthetic estrogen and progesterone have been recognized in numerous medical journals, even by the United Nations itself, as a group one carcinogen. And so what's happening is even if you don't have a predisposition toward cancer in your family, it's leading to a huge increase in breast cancer and other forms of cancer. If you do have a predisposition, that's almost as if you're assigning yourself, you're signing up for cancer, and these women have no idea. They're not reading the consequences of birth control. They're not reading the side effects. I I've told the story many times. I may have shared it with you. I was getting my teeth cleaned. I was at the dentist uh, some years ago, and our dental hygienist always loves to talk and is trying to ask me questions while I've got sharp instruments in my mouth. And she's asking, "Well, what do you do? What do you do?" And I was working in the crisis pregnancy centers at the time, and I'm you know trying to explain to her and. And all of a sudden, the conversation turns to birth control. she said, yeah, you know, the 20-year-old receptionist we had here, you remember? I said, yes. She said, well, she's not here anymore. She ended up getting breast cancer. And they said, it's completely ruined and destroyed her life. And she said, you know what? She told us the doctor told her. He looked at her medical history and said, I see you've been on birth control for seven years now, since you were 13. A lot of people don't like to explain this or share this, but cancer has been seen over and over again to be a result of birth control use because they're group one carcinogens a lot of women do actually know this and a lot of women choose to shut it out and not listen This is basic science. And so I think the bottom line is that many women are seen from blood clotting and some of the implants that go into the arm and other places. Women are having arm pains. We had a girl in the Crisis Pregnancy Center. I'll never forget. She kept complaining about her arm. She was sitting there and I was doing paperwork and I was listening to the conversation with a counselor. And in the conversation, she all of a sudden mentions, oh, I um, I have this this birth control implant inserted into my arm. And all of a sudden, ding, 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 I turn around. I said, when did your arm pain start? It started the day after the implant went in. Women are suffering physically, emotionally, interpersonally from birth control, and they know it. And this is why I think across the board, women don't actually want birth control.
3: That is uh, amazing. Uh, and it's so important uh, for women to know this information. That's why we're talking about it uh, here on uh, Morning Air uh, with, with Timory Shanja, the host of Trending with Timory. Uh, Mary is joining us from Houston, Texas. Mary, uh, welcome to Morning Air. You're on with Timory.
4: Good morning. Good
1: morning to both of you. Excuse my voice, I've had a cold. But um, <clears throat> Timory, isn't it God's law? I mean, and our Catholic faith tells us that if we uh, do contraceptives that we're going against God's will for, for us,
4: Oh, absolutely, Mary, you're correct. I mean, contraception, it, it, it damages the married love of a husband and a wife. I mean, if we were to talk about the abortion side, it can kill a human life. But one of the things that the church has taught, and it's so beautifully laid out, and you don't have to be Catholic to share this. Um, the church has taught that every marital act is meant to be both unitive and and procreative so that means that it's unitive it's for the good of the spouses but it's also open to new human life that doesn't mean that every time a new life results from engaging in intimacy. But what it means is that we're open. And the problem with contraception is it leads to this lack of physical union sometimes in instances of barriers, but it leads to this lack of spiritual union that intimacy is meant to be procreative. It's meant to grow forth. It's meant to grow that the two are supposed to become one so intensely that then that produces another human being. And this is the beauty of married love. But what happens is we're seeing interpersonally the relationship between husband and wife or even you know as people are engaging in in marital relations outside of marriage we're seeing that what's happening is that it's destroying the love and the charity between the two, that they're using the other simply for pleasure rather for, than for union and fruitful love of opening that love up to a new life. And this is part of the reason why the church says no. It, it goes against the biochemical reality of the body. It goes against the law of God. And I think that unitive and procreative dimension is so important for people to understand that it damages what marriage is meant to be.
3: Thanks so much, Mary. I uh, appreciate uh, the call. And um, I think that this also is something that we need to consider from a, a natural law perspective. Like you said, Tim, or you don't need to be Catholic to, to understand uh, the reality of birth control.
4: Absolutely. And I remember I've actually explained time and time again this unitive and procreative dimension to people who were not of any faith tradition. And at the end of it, once they're agreeing, yeah, unitive and procreative, every sexual act is meant to be unitive and procreative. That should be kind of our parameter and guideline. Well, then at the end, I put that little punch in. By the way, that's what the church teaches. I've not mentioned religion up until now. I mean, no theological argument. And I think that's significant for people to understand the church understands human nature, human I mean, the law, the blueprint for the body, it gets it. And this is the path to true happiness when we follow and understand and live out what the church has taught all along.
3: We have time for another call. Isaac uh, is chiming in from Los Angeles, California. Good morning, Isaac.
2: So I wanted to add uh, my perspective because not only, as you were saying, Tim, does it affect um, women's bodies, but it also affects me as a man, um, especially when Um, I find out the information comes to me that there are people, women that I know personally, um, that are using contraceptives because that insinuates the fact that they are using these contraceptives in order to commit these sinful uh, deeds, these uh, vices. Um, And it just pains me when I find out uh, every time it's just, it's terrible. But uh, that's how it affects mm-hmm. me, and yeah. I just have to—I don't know—figure out a way to love this person despite this. um But it's a form of suffering for me as well.
4: You know, Isaac, you bring up a really important point. I'm sorry because it can be heartbreaking. You know, the people I know who you find out you use they use birth control, and it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that's being promoted. It means you know. Sex with all the benefits without the child, inside or outside of marriage. In one respect, you know what they're missing. But in the other respect, you know that they're actually harming themselves. And when you add the dimension of abortion, abortifacients that a lot of women who are on birth control have no idea about, it's so sorrowful. And I think of you know, our Lord and the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are those who mourn. And I think that this is one of those moments where we're living out the Beatitude of blessed are those who mourn for we're mourning the separation from God that we are causing with the certain types of lifestyles that we we are engaging in. And I think that, you know, if the opportunity ever arises to help people with understanding the physical impact of birth control, it opens the door for being able to talk about then the interpersonal and spiritual impact birth control has.
3: Thanks so much, Isaac, uh, for the call. Uh, Timarie, we have less than a minute. Uh, a final thought to ver- uh, uh, someone who might be listening here this morning.
4: I think my big thing is if perhaps you've been on birth control and you're learning for the first time, it's an abortifacient, you're realizing the full impact. Praise the Lord. We have the church who is here. Um, anything that has occurred in our lives confession is always available it's the time it's a season of preparation and penance to greet our lord go to confession but two if you have an underlying health issue you've taken birth control for health reasons or maybe because you are there's a legitimate reason that you need to space out a child check out napro technology fertility care practitioners are amazing helping to look at what's happening with our health help to treat underlying issues and help us if necessary to treat the family so i post a link on my social media for that as well if you'd like to find a solution there.
3: Timory, thanks so much for being with us to talk about this so important topic. So much appreciated.
4: Thanks for having me, John.
3: Timory Jaja, host of Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio, that you can hear weekdays at 6 p.m. Central. Now it's time for another episode of Glenn's Story Corner.
0: As we work on that Christmas shopping list for you today, our story eight gifts that do not cost a cent. Number one, the gift of listening. But you must really listen. No interrupting, no daydreaming, no planning your response. Just listening. Number two, the gift of affection. Be generous with appropriate hugs, kisses, pats on the back and handholds. Let these small actions demonstrate the love you have for family and friends. Number three, the gift of laughter. Clip cartoons, share articles and funny stories. Your gift will say, I love to laugh with you. Number four, the gift of a written note. A brief handwritten note may be remembered for a lifetime and may even change a life. Number five on the list of eight gifts that do not cost a cent, the gift of a compliment. A simple and sincere, you look great and red, you did a super job, or that was a wonderful meal can make someone's day. Number six, the gift of a favor every day. Go out of your way to do something kind. Number seven, the gift of solitude. There are times when we want nothing better than to be left alone. Be sensitive to those times and give the gift of solitude to others. Number eight, the gift of a cheerful disposition. The easiest way to feel good is to extend a kind word to someone. It's not that hard to say hello or thank you. From Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law.
3: Thanks so much, uh, Glenn. I want to remind you, many prayers are needed. We need to pray for this Dobbs case before the Supreme Court uh, oral arguments begin tomorrow. Join Father Rocky for the Family Rosary across America with all your prayers and petitions, 7 p.m. Central tonight and every night of the week. That'll do it for this edition of Morning Air for Glenn Leverens, producers Gabby Burke, Mariano Gomez, and Sarah Tafoya, and our entire Morning Air team. I'm John Morales. Thanks for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God love you. We'll see you tomorrow. The Patrick Madrid Show is next.